Lights up. I got to see everybody. Is everybody good this morning? There you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, there you are. (laughs) You're right where you're supposed to be. Come on, say that to him. You're right where you're supposed to be. I'm a a big believer in divine appointments. I believe that you're not here by accident. Uh, I believe that that person that invited you, maybe if you're a visitor here today, it wasn't an accident. God puts people in our paths for a reason. I just believe that God... God's moments are all the time, and we miss them sometimes if we're not expecting them. So I pray right now in Jesus' name that we have an expectation in our heart. Would you just agree with me? We have an expectation in our heart that God's going to do something wonderful here today. Because our God is a wonderful God. He wants, he's always about doing good. He's always wanting to do something that blesses, and, and He always wants to, to pour into us His love and His grace. And today I want you to understand that this is the... The, the day above all days, this is the day that all of history before the resurrection looked forward to. And it's the day that we all look back to. It's the most pivotal, most important, dynamic, life-changing day in all of the world that ever has been or ever will be. Did you all understand that? You all, this is so important that we get this today. But see, some people just don't believe. Some people, they have this problem. They, they doubt. They, don't, they just don't understand that story. That, it's kind of confusing to them. They don't understand why we go through what we go through. But I pray that this morning, if you're a believer, that you are praying today for that person that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that this will be the day that their eyes are opened. Their eyes are open. Listen, when we talk about doubt and unbelief, I want to touch on this a little bit. There, there were, we see these disciples, and we're going to talk about the, probably the greatest story of doubt and unbelief about Thomas. Everybody knows about Thomas. But I want you to know Thomas wasn't the only one that doubted. And I want you to look at four or three uh, quick passages in Matthew 28, 17. And this is after the resurrected Jesus, after people had seen him. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. And he's talking about some of the disciples here, but some doubted. In Mark 16, 11 through 13, and when they heard that he was alive and he had been seen by her, Mary Magdalene, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another, in another form to two of them as they walked into the country. And listen, and they went and they told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Either. And then in Luke 24, verse 40, when he, Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy, that's a funny verse, isn't it? They did not believe for joy and marveled. He said to them, have you any food here? He was going to show them, I'm real, I'm back. And he ate some food in their presence. That they could not believe for joy. If you read it in the message, it makes a little bit more sense. They say in the message that they still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. And you see, that's the gospel story. It seems too good to be true, doesn't it? It seems too simple to be true. And that's why many people, especially intellectual people, have a hard time entering into the kingdom of God because they're trying to figure these things out in their mind. If you have a scientific, analytical mind and you're trying to put all this together, it will not work. It will not work. Romans 10, 13, listen, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That just seems too simple. But God designed it for... The simplicity of the gospel, he designed it for you and me so we could grasp it and we could step into it. So this morning, I'm praying that you're grasping it. If you're a believer, I want you to become a believing believer. Oh, have you ever heard that one? You may be a believer, but I want you today, at the end of this sermon, you're going to be challenged. Are you a believing believer? Or you just believe? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody understand what I'm saying? Okay. 
So let's go to the rest of the story. Uh, I wanted to set the stage with a video because, man, that just, that was powerful. But we're going to take it up from the point when they, when Jesus told her to go tell the disciples, okay? Uh, John 20, verse 19. Then the day, the same day at evening, Sunday evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Say fear. fear. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. That's good. All right. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Listen, fear will try, will try to keep Jesus at bay in your life. In all sorts, in all forms, fear will try to keep non-believers uh, away from Jesus. Fear will try to keep Christians from living their potential and their destiny in Christ. Fear is, is, is ugly. And, God's, and his word says, I, didn't, go, I don't, didn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So God doesn't give us fear. Only a fear and a healthy, wholesome fear of God. But he doesn't give us a fear to keep us away from Jesus. Understand that. The disciples were afraid. They were locked in a room, guys. They... they they had heard the rumors. They had heard the stories. Jesus has risen. They had heard. They, maybe they recollected some of the things he said. But, man, they were locked inside a room. They were afraid. They were scared of the Jews, the Pharisees. You know why they were afraid, David? Because they were thinking they could be next. Man, if they killed Jesus and they, they singled out Peter, who could be next in this list? See, they think if they get cut off the head that they had it done. But the, the, but, the, but the disciples didn't understand that yet. They were thinking, man, I, I don't know. we gotta, we got to hide out until the thing, thing, things die down, right? So the, the disciples were huddled together in fear. And this morning, if you are consumed with fear and worry and doubt and unbelief, I wanna, I'm here to give you good news. Jesus says, peace be to you. Peace be to you. Peace be to you. Look at verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, say again. He said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Not once, but twice, Jesus told his disciples, peace. And maybe they remembered when he said that word peace. Like when Mary heard her name called in the garden, Mary. Maybe when they heard that word peace, they hearkened back to John 14, 27. This was just four days earlier. So we think John 14 and John 20, a long time elapsed between them, but they didn't. This was just a few days earlier that Jesus had his disciples together and he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, God does not want us to be fearful. He's already told them. He already prepped them for this. He said, guys, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to bring peace to you. And so Jesus stands before them. They're huddled in a room. They're scared. Listen, you know what the word peace means? When you go to the Greek, it means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Have you ever been afraid that you've lost your salvation? You're not, man, you're, you're doubting that you're saved at all. Some circumstance comes up in your life and you stumble and you fall and you make some bad decisions. You may maybe say some wrong words and all of a sudden, oh, I don't know if I'm saved or not because I know I'm supposed to have faith. I'm supposed to walk through these storms of life with faith and some, some things happen in your life. Anybody? Can I get a witness for, with you? And man, you start doubting. You start doubting. You start fearing. Fear rises up in you. Listen, Jesus wants to speak peace to your situation this morning, if that's you today. He spoke peace to me when I was going through a lot of stuff. Man, he spoke peace to me. 
And when I felt, whoa, what's happening? What have I done to deserve this? God says, peace, be still. My peace I give to you. Listen, it's not the world's peace that... Listen, if you're chasing after the world's peace, you will never find it. Because the peace that the world offers is counterfeit. It will not satisfy. God wants to give you peace today. Here's what the world... Most people in the world, if you had a survey and you ask them what they want, what's the number one thing they want in their life, they would probably say, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. How many of you want to be happy? Wow. How many of you want to be sad then? (laughs) Nobody. You want to be happy, right? Here's what the world says. If you do the right things and have the right stuff and the things that are going on in your life are all good, you'll be happy. See, that's again, that's based upon the world's picture of peace. Because God says, I'll give you peace in the storm. The world cannot offer you peace in the storm. You'll be happy when the circumstances are good. You'll be happy. See, that word happy comes out of happiness or happenings. And so when things are happening good, man, I'm happy, <laughs> right? But when they're not so good, you're not so happy. And we rise and ebb and flow with what's going on in our life. But as believers, as believers, we should be, ooh, like that. I have peace. I've got nothing in my bank account, but I have peace. My car broke down. I hit a car yesterday. I, I, I changed lanes yesterday, and there's a little short car, and I changed, and boom, I hit this little car yesterday. And I'm thinking, the devil trying to destroy my peace before Sunday. You know, and, and I met this little girl. If you're going to run into somebody, you should have run into who I ran into yesterday. Sweetest little girl. I got to invite her to church. <laughs> Doesn't have a church home. So God put me in her path. I, put, I mean, I got in her path. <laughs> I, it's a blind spot, but God, he already knew that was going to happen. I'm out there trying to rub the dents out, you know. They're not coming out so good. But. God will put people in your path, and some, sometimes it will happen in ways you have never expected But when you have the opportunity, you better be ready. Amen? Look at verse 22. True peace is lived out by the Holy Spirit. See, this is not the world's peace. It's God's peace. And when he, Jesus, had said this, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something about God. He is so good. He will not call you to do something. He won't give you the power to do it. If he said, I'm going to give you peace, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit to give you the peace. Isn't that cool about God? He not only tells you this is what I want you to do, He equips you to do what He wants you to do. He gives you the ability. That's another word for power. Dunamis is another word for power. He gives us this kind of ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what He's called us to do. That means He doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't leave us on our own to do what we can just flounder in this world. We should be the happiest, most peaceful, productive people in all the world. Christians should be. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes I'm not. But listen to what he says in Romans 15, 13. I love this verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the what? The power of the Holy Spirit. See, that joy and that peace and that hope, he says, I'm going to give it to you, but it's going to come through this thing called the Holy Spirit, this person of the Holy Spirit. I hope some of you are following me on on Facebook or you've got the the study, this 30-day study of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about how he gives us peace, how he is productive in our life. He wants to live in our life and through our life. Listen, that that verse 23, the Amplified Bible puts it this way. Now, having received the Holy Spirit and being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. Wow, that's the verse that everybody goes, what? 
What does that mean? Let me read it in the New King James. I, I skipped that. If you forgive the sins of any, this is Jesus saying, you've got the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus put that right after he said, I've just empowered you with the Holy Spirit. I've breathed into you life. I've breathed into you peace. And then he says, this is what you're going to be doing. And some people go, well, does that mean that that means that they went out and they established the priesthood and they began to forgive people of sin, absolve people of sins? I don't believe it. That's at all what he meant there. I believe he said, you are taking the gospel message to the world now, disciples. He'd given them a mandate. He said, I am going to send you. And he had given them the mandate. He had breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And he says, you, as you go and establish the church and you preach the gospel message, the gospel message will either save people or they will be lost by it. If you accept the message that I've given you, disciples, if you share the gospel like I've told you to share it, people that receive it and believe it will come into the kingdom. Their sins will be forgiven. But if they reject the gospel, if they reject the message that you have, their sins will not be forgiven and they will not go to heaven. They will end up in hell. He was was setting a standard for these men because he knew the church had to start strong. He had to start with the message of grace. In John 3, 36, Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Listen, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. They had already heard the words. They knew that receiving God or rejecting God was life or death. It's the same today, church. It's the same today. This message today is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can accept him and you can step into life. If you reject him, you'll stay in death. That's just the way it is. Seeing is believing. Now, verse 24. Now, Thomas. We're going to get to Thomas. I'm doing so good on time. Now, Thomas called the twin. You know why he was called the twin? You know why some people say he was called the twin? Because some people say tradition says he looked a lot like Jesus. So he was called the twin. And I don't know if that's true or not. But it, and so when, when they were looking for Jesus, they were, Thomas said, man, they're looking for me. And that might be why he hid out. <laughs> because, he, the, man, they think I'm Jesus. So uh, that was just one of the church traditions. It says, now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with him when Jesus came. Hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Na, 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 we've seen Jesus. I don't know if they did it that way. Peter probably did. <laughs> so he said to them, okay, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger to the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Isn't that amazing? He made this declaration, I will not believe unless I see, unless I touch, unless I feel. You see, some people are that way. Unless I see or touch or feel it, or I can watch it on YouTube, it is not real. I don't, if it's not on the news, if it, you know, it's not real. See, people are, have been deceived for so long about Jesus because they've not, been able to, they've not been able to see him and touch him and feel him. That's why he wants to use you and me to do that. That's why we are called the hands and what? Feet of Jesus, the, the voice of Jesus. That's why he's called us to stand in for him. And so Thomas... Thomas is, he's saying, look, you guys have seen him. I haven't seen him. Listen, he wasn't making a bad request here. He wasn't making a bad request here. 
He only wanted to witness what they had already witnessed. Go back to verse 20. You'll find out that they saw the Lord when they saw him and they saw the nail prints. They saw the, the, the prints and the scars. When they saw Jesus, it says they were glad when they saw the Lord. So they were, Thomas was only wanting to see what they were seeing. Right? Then after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Verse 26, and Thomas was with them. Now here's what I'm thinking. He missed them the first time. Hiding out maybe. Didn't trust them anymore. Really? He didn't trust what they said, did he? They said, we have seen Jesus. Thomas didn't trust them. Man, remember? They had Judas in the group. Think about this, guys. Think they're just, these are regular guys. Well, Judas, I thought he was with us. Man, he sold Jesus out. Who else is going to sell him out? Who else, is, who else is an insider here? Who else is a spy in the camp? So I think Thomas wanted to distance himself, distance himself from the rest of the disciples. He didn't want to hang out with them. But when they said, hey, we've seen Jesus, I, he saw something in these guys. Oh, they said, they, 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 maybe they have. And I think from that point on, you could not pry him away from the rest of them. He said, okay, I'm not leaving till I see Jesus. Because after eight days, can you imagine day one? No Jesus. Day two? No Jesus. Day three? And Thomas is going, uh-huh, sure, yeah. Yeah, y'all saw him, right? Three, four days, guys. It's been five days, guys. Hey, guys, it's been a week. Where is he? Peter? John? The beloved? What's up? Where is he? <laughs> eight days. Eight days. That's, eight is like new beginnings, right? After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with him, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace to you. Wow, he says it again. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side. This is what I want you to hear this one. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be, Thomas, don't be, don't be an unbeliever anymore. I want you to start believing that's a continual believing. I want you to believe. Believe, Thomas. You see, I don't even know that Thomas touched anything. I don't think, I don't know. It didn't say he reached in and touched anything. He just, Jesus said, do this, do this. He just showed him. I think Thomas was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. What titles he attributed to Jesus in that moment. Not only did he believe that Jesus rose from the dead, he believed that he is my Lord. And not only that, he is God. He is God. He made a declaration the others hadn't made yet. My Lord and my God. Even Mary Magdalene said, Rabboni, Rabbi, teacher. But Thomas said, my Lord, my master, my Savior, my God. Woo, don't you know Jesus? Yeah, you got it. You've got me figured out, Thomas. You've got me figured out. I don't believe he rebuked Thomas one bit. It just says, he said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, Thomas believed because he saw. I believe because I didn't see. And I see. With these spiritual eyes from here. He said, blessed are he, He's talking about us here, guys. Thomas, man, it is cool that you believe me because you've seen me, but really those people on, in Freedom Fellowship on April 5th, 2015, they are going to be happy 
Because they believe, because they, even though they didn't see me, they believe. They believe. Do you believe this morning? How do we see? How do we believe without seeing? I'm, I'm going to tell you this is, I want to wrap this up. How do we believe without seeing? It's called faith. You see, I could try and convince you all day long. And you can try and convince people at your job, wherever you want to be. You can say, man, let me tell you about Jesus. And then you start telling them the story. They don't know. Let's just say they have a blank slate. They don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about church. They don't know anything about the Bible. And you say, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you die today, you're going to go to hell. Oh, really? What's hell? Well, that's a place reserved for people that are bad. Oh, well, then how do I avoid hell? Well, there's this man that came 2,000 years ago. He came from heaven. And, you know, you've seen the Christmas trees, haven't you? He came from heaven, and, and we celebrate Christmas, and he died for my sins and your sins, and he went to the grave, and then on the third day he rose from the dead. And, and you know, and they're going to look at you like, me. you got two heads. You're going to try to get to somebody intellectually. You're not going to do it. It's called faith. It's called faith. Don't debate somebody and try to debate them into the kingdom. It just won't work. The Holy Spirit will do it. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He's a person. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Rational people are not going to give their lives to Jesus. It's not a rational decision. It's the most irrational decision you could ever make. I'm going to trust in a man that died 2,000 years ago that was resurrected. Yeah, right? It's not an intellectual decision, church. It's a faith decision. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is God's will. I believe with all my heart, no matter what kind of theological discussions you want to make on it, I believe that God died, that Jesus died for everyone. I believe that he was not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Everybody. I believe that was his plan from the beginning of the world, from before the foundations of the world. His plan was that everybody be safe and saved. That's his will. And that is called the renewed mind. That's called repentance. When you come to the place by faith and you receive that you have the open, your eyes are open, your spiritual eyes are open to what Jesus has done for you and you repent and change the way you think and you come into the kingdom of God. That's how you can be transformed through Christ. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say to you through grace given to me, through the grace given to me, say grace. To everyone who is among you. See, grace is something you don't deserve. I don't deserve. Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. In other words, I think what he's saying here is quit putting yourself up on a pedestal. Put Jesus up on the pedestal. Quit thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Every, I believe every person... This ever lived, God has dealt to them, given to them a measure of faith to believe this word. You see, again, he said, peace be to you. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit so you can live in peace. 
And he says, I want you to believe in me, but I'm going to have to give you something to help you believe in me. And it's called faith. Isn't that amazing? That the fact that we can come to the kingdom is still because Jesus or God wanted to give us the faith to believe that he is who he says he is. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 9. For by grace, you have been saved through what? Faith. Say through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I want you to know this morning, you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to go to heaven. If you could be good enough, you could work hard enough to get to heaven. Jesus died for nothing. God would have just said, okay, guys, be good. I hope you make it. I hope you're perfect. I hope you're sinless. Because that's the only way you can enter into my glory, into my kingdom. But he says, I know you couldn't do that, so I sent my son in your place to die for you. So don't, and it's a gift. He said, it's a gift, guys. It's a gift, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Believing is living, finally. Truly, Jesus did many other signs. Verse 30. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. (laughs) But these are written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I did a word study on believe or believing or belief. Out of all the Gospels, John far out mentions the word believe or lists the word believe. All the rest of them combined don't even come close. Ninety times John said the word believe or quoted Jesus when Jesus said to believe. Ninety times. No other book in the Bible even comes close to that. But these, that are, these are written, these words that he wrote were that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of the book that he wrote. On the Isle of, uh, not on the Isle of Patmos, wherever John wrote this book, he wrote it for the distinct purpose of us coming into the kingdom of God. That's why he wrote it. 15,240 words that point to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. You know, he was the first one to actually believe. When Peter outran him, you know. I mean, he outran Peter, but Peter, uh, John stopped at the, at the tomb and Peter walked in and Peter just looked in and he talked about it and looked at it. But John walked in and what did it say? He said he believed. John was the first of the disciples to really believe. And he wants you and I to believe this morning. And here's the thing about belief. I believe this. That when you truly believe something, you will live something. I believe with, when you step into a faith walk with God, that your life will change. Your living will change. Your walk will change. I believe that when, it's a, when you believe in something so much that it, it gets ingrained in you, that there's an action attached to it. And that's why I wonder in churches this morning across the world that there are people that have come in and they said, well, it's, 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 it's Easter Sunday, it's Resurrection Day, it's whatever they want to call it. And they come in and they celebrate it and they go, wow, that is cool. Let's go hunt some Easter eggs. 
And there's nothing that's really changed here. They've had this thought up here. They believe that maybe intellectually, maybe irrationally, however they wanted to believe it, somehow they, they, uh, they, th- they think that, yeah, this may have happened, but there's not, a, not a been a change in their heart. There's not a been a change in their life. There's not a been change in their actions. And God's calling, if you really believe something, you'll live it. You'll walk it out. Believe is a verb. The Greek word is pastuo. It's defined as a word such as jump, think, happen, or exist. And it's usually one of the main parts of a sentence that expresses an action, an occurrence, or a state of being. I want to ask you this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, let me ask you, how is your faith being expressed by your actions? How is your faith being expressed by your actions? How is your faith being expressed by your thought life? How is your faith being thought uh, expressed by the way you exist. That's how faith will look. When it's Jesus Christ, your faith will have, your belief system, right believing will result in right living. God's called us to be holy. He's called us to be sanctified, set apart for the kingdom of God. We've watered it down somewhere along the way. We just put this stamp of grace on things and said, well, that God, we got, we're covered. Well, we are covered by the blood. But God demands, God really demands that our life be a reflection of Jesus Christ. He said, this is how you know that that you love one another. This is how you know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. Are we loving one another like we're supposed to? Are you gracing one another like you're supposed to? I shared this Thursday night at the Monday Thursday service, the Living Last Supper. And when John concluded these words in, in, in this book, I know he wrote another chapter, but really it all culminated with that last verse, that we might have life in his name. When John wrote this, all these disciples that were huddled in that room, and Jesus stepped in the room, and the fear left, and the peace came. And he said, I send you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. When he came in and stepped into their lives that day, It changed the way they lived the rest of their life. See, that's what I want to see. That's what I want to be. I want to be that person that's faithful to the end. I hope you want to be that person that's faithful to the end. Out of these 11 men or the 10 others, of of, of all 12, we know Judas hung himself, but history tells us that four were crucified Two of those were crucified upside down. One was stoned to death. One was hacked to death. Another was thrust through four times with a pine spear. That was Thomas when he took the gospel to India. One had his head chopped off. That was James. And another was banished to an island, the writer of the gospel of John. What they believed that day when Jesus said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them and he said, Walk it out. Live it out. I'm sending you. Listen, he is that same mandate is for you and me today. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is looking for people that will not just come and sit, but they will step out and they will serve. He's not looking for people that will just, oh, yeah, I believe that. But they'll say, yes, I believe that, and they'll live it. That's what he's calling us for, church. And if we don't, if we don't want to do that, listen, let's quit calling ourselves a church. He's called us. And listen, here's the thing. He won't call you to do something that he won't empower you to do. 
Would you stand this morning? Need all the praise, uh, the, the ministry team to the front, please. Remember I said there's a divine appointment for you today. All I've done is present the gospel as best that I believe God would have me present it. I get tongue-tied sometimes and I try to talk too fast or I get ahead of myself. But God can sort all that out. But if you're here this morning, there's a reason you're here. There's a reason. You may have been come to this church for years. And you would say, Pastor, man, I believe it, but it doesn't seem like I'm living it. Maybe you just need a prayer this morning and a fresh touch from, from God. But maybe you're here this morning, you've never really, really, really trusted him. Kind of like some of the disciples were at one point. Listen, we're in good company when we doubt. They doubted too. And this morning, Jesus would step into your room of doubt and your fear and your heart. He would step in there through the closed walls. He'd break down the walls. And he'd say, peace, be still, peace, my peace I'm bringing to you today. He wants you to have the assurance of salvation. He wants you to be able to lay your head down at night and rest and say, wow, thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you that I'm a child of yours. Listen, the perfection comes through Christ. The enemy would like to say, well, if you, if you give up your life as you know it, You'll never, you'll never amount, you never can live up to those expectations that that pastor talked about. Listen, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being washed, covered by the blood of Jesus, and have the resurrected life of Jesus, the power of God living through you. He will direct your steps. Some people say, well, I've got to get cleaned up. I've got to quit doing this and this and this before I can come to Jesus. Listen, that's a lie of the enemy. He loves you just the way you are this morning. He wants you to come just the way you are this morning. I'm looking, I'm hoping that we're going to be continue to become the church that God's saying I'm coming back for, the bride of Christ. Would you bow your heads? I just want to pray for you. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this, For God says, In an acceptable time I have hurt you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Father, I thank you that today is the day of salvation. You've had this person in your appointment book before the beginning of time. You said that day they're coming in to this building on South Chadburn. That's their appointment. And because I've given them the faith to believe, that they're going to step out and come and they're going to receive Jesus today. Can y'all, do y'all believe that? He's already written it. He's already got it figured out. He just wants us to come in agreement with what he's already figured out. So that's you this morning. Without even anything else going on around you, just as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your day that he's set aside just for you. Would you step out and come?
and let some of these folks pray with you. Just step out and come. Don't try to overthink it. Don't try to figure it out. But let God be God in your heart and your life today. Just step out and come. Step out and come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Other others. Today is your day. Today is the day. Not tomorrow. The enemy will say tomorrow's the day. He's really good at that, or next week is the day. But today's the day. We have no guarantees beyond this moment. Would you step out and come this morning? Let us pray with you. Maybe you're struggling in some area of your life, addictions or family problems or health problems, that we could pray with you this morning. Just step out and come. Issues in your family, issues in your marriage, it doesn't matter. God wants to heal you and touch you today. Let me speak to this. Some of you said, I believe. I've given my life to Jesus Christ. But pastor, it doesn't really show. If 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 you went to my workplace, they probably couldn't tell you I was a Christian. Listen, if that's you this morning, you can call it rededication, recommitment. Maybe you just flat out need to get saved. I don't know. But if that's you, if, if there's no... You know the old saying, if, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? You ever heard that? If, if you were arrested because someone said you're a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Or would people say, no, I don't, I'm not so sure if that... They seem like everybody else. If that's you this morning, I'm praying that you're going to step out and say, yes, I need Jesus. I need, to, I, need to get, I need to get where God wants me to be. I'm not living my destiny. I'm not living out my purpose that God has for me. Is that you this morning? Just step out and come. Just step out and come. Step out and come. We want to pray with you. Anybody else? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And this is a big day. Just everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you this real quick. If, you would, if you're struggling right now with making a decision for Christ, if you're really struggling, what, I'd like to just pray for you. So if that's you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come see you. I'm not going to call you out. I promise you that. Nobody else. Well, I'm asking everybody to close your eyes. Everybody. If that's you this morning, you just would like me to pray for you that you would have the strength to make that decision. Would you just slip your hand up real quick? Just slip your hand up real quick and then put it back down. There's somebody in here that really struggling with making the decision for Jesus. Anybody? Okay. Thank you. be seated
Well, I want to thank you for being here today. Y'all been an awesome, awesome crowd. Uh, worshiped your heart out today, and I thank y'all for just coming today and being a part of this. Uh, anybody, this is your first time to be here today, or your visitors and family, just raise your hand up. We just want to say thank y'all for coming. We're, we're glad that you came. I want to make a couple of really quick announcements, and they're very important. Uh, next Sunday is Jesus in the Park. So uh, we do this, we started this as an annual thing. Uh, last year we did it the, the week before Resurrection Day, and, and this year because of, of where it fell on the calendar, we're doing it afterwards. So it's really awesome because we're partnering with Zervita, and it's called uh, Jesus in the Park Feed 500. And so this company has come alongside us, and they're going to feed 500. They're going to have 500 meals prepared. So we're asking, we're going to do one service, but it will not be in here unless it's raining. Uh, we'll be out at this park, not the city park. Say, not the city park. Okay, because that's where we've been doing it. It will be in this park. We'll be under the bridge with all of our music and everything. There are going to be uh, inflatables, all sorts of fun things to do for the kids. And it's going to be our family Sunday also. And uh, if you want to participate with Helping Feed 500, uh, just call the church office and tell Diane, say, look, I want to be a, I want, I'd like to volunteer to, to help Zervita pre- prepare the meals because they're going to prepare all the meals up here. We're going to be passing them out. So next Sunday, it's going to start at 10 o'clock. Everybody down, down in the park, 10 o'clock. Bring uh, your folding chairs, bring blankets if you want to, bring frisbees, and just don't throw them at me when I'm preaching or singing. And, uh, but we're going to have a great day. It's, it's just going to be a fellowship with a lot of, of new people and probably get to witness to people as they're walking through the park down the, down the pathway. So it's going to be a beautiful day, and uh, so I encourage you to be here for that next week. Also, the uh, Life Walk 2015, we are a sponsor. We're part of a Pregnancy Help Center. And uh, Courtney, where's Courtney? There's Courtney. Y'all look at Courtney. She'll be out in the foyer in the front. And she's signing people up for the Life Walk 2015, which is going to always, it's going to be taking place starting in our parking lot. That's on Saturday, April the 25th. And so you can partner with, with uh, Pregnancy Help Center financially. Uh, you can come and walk. You can do your part to help raise funds for them. They do a tremendous ministry in our city. Uh, Many, many children that would have been aborted have not been because of the Pregnancy Help Center for them reaching out to so many women, so many families to bring life. So we're thankful for them, for Ed Sutton, who is the the director of Pregnancy Help Center. We we love partnering with them. So that's uh, on the 25th. That's 20 days from yesterday. Yeah, 20 days from today. All right? So we encourage you to be a part of that. Are you glad you're in God's house this morning? Oh, yeah, David and I, are y'all in here? Okay. There's David. David? Is out of here? Okay. Oh, she's praying with somebody? Okay, I want you guys... Do what? Well, come on up here, David. We'll pray over you, brother. Randy Levins, where are you? Come on up here. Let's. We're going to pray over David and Ida. They're heading to... Uh, there she is, Kenya. They're going to go join Don and Michelle Babin. When are y'all leaving, David? Tuesday. Tuesday. They're going to long trip to uh, Kenya. And I know there's a lot of unrest over there, but God's going to protect them. And they're going to go represent the kingdom of God, and they're going to go assist Don and Michelle and do the work to the Maasai tribe in, uh, outside of uh, Nairobi. So we're very thankful for them. 
So I want you guys just to extend your hands this way, and we want to bless them. And listen, if you want to bless them financially in any way as they, as they go, it, you just put it, get an offering envelope back there. If you want to help them out financially, just put on there for uh, just put David and Ida or put Kenya or something, and we will help them out with their funds to get there. All right? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for your hand upon all of us. Father, we just, God, we give you praise, God. Lord, I just pray over David and Ida. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you have prepared their steps and you have placed before them the badge of courage and honor to walk in your name. And Father, we thank you for your angels protecting them every step of the way. Lord, we thank you for souls, God, that will be saved in the midst. We thank you for the words they will preach. But most of all, God, we thank you for the love that you have put upon them, that they will touch others and they will be blessed. So, Father, we thank you, God. Set them on fire. Set the blaze of the anointing upon them, God, that every step of the way they'll see you and know and understand your presence. So, Father, we praise you and we give you thanks. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Before you leave, if you're a guest today, there's some, uh, I don't know if you noticed it, I keep forgetting to announce it, but under the chairs, there are prayer request sheets, and on the flip side of that, if you're a visitor, you can fill that out, and we'll just send you a nice little letter, and uh, so if y'all want to fill that out before you go, we're just grateful that you're here today, and we'll see you next week in the park, say Jesus in the park, park. 10 10 o'clock, in this park right here, right, all right, amen, y'all have a blessed day today. Go out and celebrate our, res- our risen Savior. Sunscreen. Bring sunscreen.
There's nothing with more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence. And I've tasted and seen. The sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flow. And fill the atmosphere. Oh, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence.
Just want to remind you, we are do, we do have children's church today. So if you have kids with you, uh, downstairs is children's church. Uh, toddlers in this back room and, and infants back here. But downstairs, we're having a full-blown children's church. So if you'd like to take them down there and check them in, they will be safe. 